This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features R.J. McGee. So I was first introduced to R.J. or became aware of R.J. through Jen Waldman Studios. There's this whole community of um, multi-hyphenate, super talented actor, entrepreneurs who are doing different things. And so R.J. is an actor, um, singer, musical theater performer. But by his uh, Instagram, he's listed as an entertainment professional with a passion for connecting talented people to artistic opportunities. And when I got to actually work with RJ was uh, about a month, maybe a month and a half ago at Actors Launchpad, which if you are in the New York area or anywhere else, actually, Actors Launchpad is a great resource, um, super affordable, costs like 30 something dollars a month. You can take unlimited classes. There's a lot of different workshops. And RJ did a musical theater workshop. And I've done a lot of different workshops over time. Um, I'm a singer slash actor. And I take classes regularly at Actors Launchpad, at Jen Waldman Studio. Um, I just try to stay as productive and um, kind of working the creative muscles as much as I can. And his workshop was one of my favorite workshops I've actually taken at Actors Launchpad because it was uh, supportive, it was specific, and actionable. It was a small class, and he gave everybody specific and actionable advice. Sometimes you get advice that may be specific and may be good, but it's hard to kind of figure out how to put it into action. Um, and I saw him definitely for me. And what I observed with other people is very specific and actionable. Um, so I put it to use since. So RJ, um, he's also a casting director. He has RJ McGee Casting. And he's also a talent manager. I've enjoyed getting to know RJ over the last couple of months. I think we had a great conversation here. I think RJ's story is an example of everything is figureoutable and you could do anything you set your mind to. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation with R.J. McGee. Let's have a conversation. But yeah, like the whole thing will just be conversational. It's not like uh, formal at all. Got it, got it, got it. Like a long-form conversation. Got it. So yeah, R.J., R.J. McGee, how you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, you are, are you in New York right now? I'm not. I'm currently in St. Louis, Missouri, where my family lives. I was in New York pretty much from the shutdown onward, um, and I left at the end of June. Um, we went on a family vacation last weekend, and, you know, so I'm just doing some family stuff for the next few weeks. Um, but I was in New York um, for, you know, really the bulk of when it was kind of a ghost town. I know now things are a little bit more up and running again than they were, but um, for the majority of the time that I was there, you know, you rarely even saw people outside. I mean, I guess you did, but 
there you could, there certainly wasn't anything to do other than go on a walk. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been in New York prior to, to all of this? Well, off and on a long time. I went to school in Philadelphia, which is door to door, about two hours from Manhattan. And so throughout my college experience, I went to New York a lot. And then when I graduated, I decided to stay in Philadelphia. But the apartment I had was about a 15 minute walk from the bus stop, the bus station, the Bolt bus um, that went from 30th Street Station, Philadelphia to Midtown. Mm -hmm. And so I actually commuted for many, many years. Um, I would do shows out of town and stuff. And I sort of used Philadelphia as my home base. And I, and I did shows in Philadelphia as well. But I sort of also considered myself a partial New York resident because I was there a few times a week. And I even did a show. I did a, a Musicals Tonight production, um, which was at Theater Row. And so I would, I would you know, have a, a 7 o'clock or an 8 o'clock performance and then run over to Port Authority afterwards and take the bus home. And then in about 2018, I made sort of a, I, I was finishing a contract out of town and instead of going to Philadelphia, I went to New York and I still had an apartment in Philly and someone was subletting it for me for several years. And eventually I gave up that lease and then sort of did the New York thing full time. But my most recent few years in New York have been almost 100% sublet, sort of a lot of hopping around. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't had a permanent place for a while, um, which, you know, you know, it's, there's good things and bad things about it. The good thing is, is that it allows for a lot more flexibility just in terms of your life and career plans. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, it's not always as comfortable and, you know, it's not your own space. Um, but just in 2019, I moved about half a dozen times, mm -hmm. um, you know, so that, that certainly can become stressful as well. Um, so that's sort of been my, my New York journey up until, up until this point. It's sort of had a lot of different facets to it. I've lived in probably every neighborhood at some point that there is to live in, Brooklyn, Uptown, Queens, um, Midtown. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of different facets, um, you're an actor, but you're also into casting. You're also into coaching. Um, what do you kind of consider yourself? Yeah, just kind of let's talk about the different facets. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's certainly confusing to people unless I really break it down for them. I went to school for performance. In the back of my mind, I always knew that I had other interests in terms of the in entertainment industry besides performing. But like in college, I did a, a several internships at several theater companies in Philadelphia where I was more in administrative and artistic capacities. And I just realized that I wasn't quite ready to give up the performing 100%. So when I graduated, I did a lot of shows all over the place. And then concurrently, 
during that sort of professional performance career, I was introduced to Jamie Baker, who's the owner and founder of Jamie Baker Management. And I met him as an actor and he started working with me as an actor. But we hit it off immediately. And it's, you know, one of those moments in life and it doesn't happen very often where you meet someone and you realize you're really on the exact same page, sort of in all ways. Um, and we ended up losing touch for a few months because I was doing stuff and, you know, I wasn't in New York, I was in Colorado and then I was in Tennessee, you know, I was doing the, the whole regional theater non-ex circuit. And then I came back to New York and we reconnected at an actor's connection. I had a, a free seminar credit and I knew he was going to be there. And so I just figured I would, I would go and do a monologue for him. And I said to him at the time, I was like, if you ever need an assistant or something, you know, I'd love to work for you or work with you. And then a few months later, I think he let that kind of percolate. And then we decided to sort of enter this business agreement where I was going to help build his theater and musical theater division. So Jamie's had his business for almost 20 years and really got his start in the commercial world and print and voiceover and a little bit of TV and film. Um, at the time that I met him, his office was at like 42nd and 8th and he never had a client on Broadway. So I came in to sort of help build up that portion of his roster. And then anyone that booked anything through our office, we just had a, a, a split on the commission. So it was 100% commission. It was 100% remote. Um, I only came into the office, you know, every couple weeks. Um, and I still, for several years, continue to do shows out of town. And then Jamie Baker was sort of like my side, one of my side gigs. Um, and it was really interesting because when it first started, you know, it's, it's a new business adventure. So you're not, you're not 100% sure how it's going to go. Um, and I'm not big on like putting things out there publicly, like making a public announcement about something until I'm 100% sure that it's something that I want everyone to know about. So for the first few years, I sort of kept it on the down low. I only represented people that I'd worked with, friends of mine, you know, people that I knew were going to be game to sort of go on this journey with me, regardless of what the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I started really slow. I mean, maybe six guys and six girls that I was submitting. And then slowly I would add people, you know, maybe every couple months I would add two or three people, but then you lose people because they go, they decide they're not going to be in the business anymore. They move or they get a new agent or a new manager, or they go out of town for a year to do a show or whatever, you know? So then you're down a few people, you know? So I always kept it at a really manageable number mm -hmm. and a number that I felt like I was comfortable with and that Jamie was comfortable with that wasn't sort of overtaking the administrative resources and capacities of the office because it's a really small office it's jamie and then he has a full-time assistant and then a part-time accountant finance person and the office as a whole works on a lot of very high volume and, commercial and jobs what's your role there now i'm a theater slash musical theater associate mm -hmm. within the office and so i have my own roster Right now, it's probably three or four dozen men and women, all ages, genders, ethnicities, um, union status, 
and I exclusively submit those people for theater and musical theater. So there might be someone else that's represented by Jamie Baker management, but I only handle the people that are sort of under my umbrella and I only work on theater and musical theater. So while I was doing that and performing, I came back from a regional contract and I was like, I have to take a break from the performing thing. So I started our Jamie Gee Casting, which is my own casting office. I'm the owner and founder. And it was sort of one of those things, if you build it, they will come. And I created an rjmcgee casting at gmail.com email address. And within a few weeks, I was the resident casting director for an off-Broadway show. And um, I continued to work freelance in that capacity. And that's almost just like being an actor. You know, you work on jobs as they come to you. You're always sort of on the lookout for potential clients and for potential jobs. And quarantine has actually been really good to me in that regard because there's been a few clients of mine who have actually needed more support during this time than they than they actually did before. Um, so that's that's been interesting. And then I also do, I have a very robust career coaching and teaching um, portfolio where I work on, with actors on helping them find representation and um, identifying their brand and type and finding new repertoire and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of different assets, excuse me, facets of the business. Um, but I enjoy it because ultimately what I want to do is I want to teach and direct theater at the college level and sort of prepare the next generation um, to enter the professional theater world. And so I really like that I'm learning all these different um, parts of the industry mm-hmm. uh, so that I can be more beneficial and communicate more clearly to the people that I'm educating what's going to be expected of them when they enter the professional world. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's super wise because sometimes college professors, sometimes there's a disconnect from what's actually happening happening now. There's a really big disconnect, you know, so that's the one thing I feel like I, I bring to the people that I coach more than almost anyone that I know is that I really have my finger on the pulse of what's happening in terms of theater and musical theater nationwide, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately right now is not very much, but under normal circumstances, there's a lot happening. And sometimes it can be very specific in terms of what's happening. Yeah. So what are you, uh, it's such a weird time, um, but it sounds like for you, you've made the most of, of this time. Like, Yeah, and I think I got lucky because I've been a remote worker for so long and all of my income essentially, except when I'm not on stage, has been from jobs that I did on my laptop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think I was in a, in a, in a much better position Versus someone who, you know, worked at a restaurant or had a retail job and then all of a sudden they were just completely out of work. Um, And like I said, RJ McGee casting has sort of been busier than ever because I linked up with this company called Flaviar, which is a 
quarterly subscription box for fine spirits and booze. They have everything besides beer and wine. And they're making a really large push in terms of their creative output um, and on their YouTube channel and across their social media. And so I've um, cast a few videos for them. And then we have a weekly talk show that I'm the talent booker for. And so I'm in charge of every single week since probably early April, I've been in charge of finding a celebrity uh, for Nightcap Live, which is the name of the talk show. And the talk show is sort of based around booze. There's a featured spirit that week um, that we send to the celebrity and the host guides everyone through a tasting and they talk about what's going on in the world, but then they also talk about the product and, you know, so it's, it's a talk show that's specifically geared around alcohol. And so that's been really interesting sort of dealing with PR people, publicists, again, agents and managers, um, and trying to get people in the public eye. We've had authors and actors and athletes, um, people from the food and beverage world. Um, it's sort of been all over the place. We had Steven Soderbergh, who actually has his own vodka line. Um, next week, we have Mark Summers from Double Dare. Um, it's really funny you mentioned, like, Steve Soderbergh having his own vodka line. Like, here's a big thing I feel like is a blind spot. And I've been talking to, like, a lot of um, my actor friends here in New York. Yes. That um that in school a lot of times teachers teach you that you have to do one thing. Like you kind of have to be one kind of actor. Whereas right. right now in New York, a lot of the most successful people I know are multi hyphenates and in many different ways. Um and that's becoming more and more a thing of like if you can create your own content, you just have so many different more ways to, to put yourself out there and create opportunities for yourself. Um, and, in a lot of like, at least my school at the time was kind of telling people to like pick a lane. Um, but the schools they tell you to pick or the lanes they tell you to pick in school don't really ex like the, the, terrain They're is always changing more yeah absolutely i mean it's impossible in the entertainment industry to just do one thing mm -hmm. that literally doesn't even exist and i work with people at all stages of their career i mean my client who was in beautiful for the last year and a half until it closed was still sometimes waiting tables on monday night mm-hmm <laughs> There's no, you don't, you don't have a day off more as a freelance worker. Once yeah. you graduate college, no more days off. Um, and it's been very interesting working with Flaviar, finding out how many um, celebrities have their own alcohol imprint. Um, and that's just one very specific example of sort of another, um, business yeah that a uh, celebrity generates you know outside of whatever their creative work is and i can give you a million examples 
of, of things like that that are in um, other aspects of the entertainment industry. Um, it's just there's only a few careers that allow for like long term sustainability that are like benefited and salaried. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, even the people who are like, well, obviously Broadway, we've, we've learned just in the last few months that that's, you know, as temporary as it gets, you know, at mm -hmm. least right now, there's no long-term um, stability in the Broadway community right now. Yeah. And there isn't yeah. right now in terms of on-camera work, although it seems like some of the, TV shows are trying to start back up this summer. Um, you know, so you always have to have other things that you can do, whether that's being someone's, you know, tax person, whether that's being a real estate agent, or whether it's something more connected to the entertainment industry itself, like what I do with coaching and casting and, and management and things like that but it doesn't have to be some people would rather keep their side hustle completely separate and have them be two completely different entities you know and i think that's that's interesting as well um when you're when you're working with um actors and coaching them do you advise them like to like create side hustles and stuff like that yeah but you know it depends on what you want what do you envision your side hustle to be? Some people need a creative outlet just so they're doing something creative mm -hmm. and they, and it's almost better for them if it doesn't have some sort of monetary goal, you know what right. I mean? Like they just want to do something so that they're doing something that's not auditioning and pounding the pavement. And I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Then on the flip side, there's that side hustle that could ultimately turn into the thing that gets you your own TV deal. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's a goal you sort of want to identify like right off the bat, if you're going to do something different. I also think if you want to follow my path to the agenting and management and casting side while concurrently pursuing an acting career, I don't think it's impossible. And of course there's plenty of people in the, you know, on both sides of the coin casting and agenting who think that that's completely unacceptable. You can't be in CSA if you're representing performers. So right now I would have to completely divest myself from Jamie Baker management to be able to join CSA. Um, you know, so there's certain protocols in place, but what's CSA? Yeah, uh, in society of America. Okay. Um, you know, you have to do what feels right for you and you really can't have blinders on or you have to put your blinders on in terms of what other people think because there's always going to be someone who has something to say about it especially if you're trying to blend both performance and being on the other side of the table yeah that's been my biggest thing like one of the things i'm super grateful for for this shutdown is just I've been doing just so much uh, inward looking um, right. and, and working on developing as an artist, but really realizing that the whole thing of like, pick your own lane. It's like, just because it hasn't been done 
before exactly. it's actually a good thing like if you kind of are forging your own path you know i mean you know if, if we're talking about sort of the most applicable case study for what i'm doing i mean dave clemens was on broadway for years while he had his casting office mm-hmm. and that's sort of an old school example and i'm not 100 percent sure of sort of the details or logistically how he worked it out but you know yeah you do you and 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 that and let that be <laughs> what it is you know yeah. what i mean um, there's a lot of people in this business who have a lot to say about a lot of things, uh-huh. you know, but it tends to be the people that are, you know, out of work or whatever, you know, I've rarely had any major casting director have anything to say about how I've lived in both worlds. And in fact, I've had major casting directors hire me to do short term, like assistant projects for them mm-hmm. or be a reader you know, while still bringing me in for auditions. So there's no rules. The only rule is there's no rules. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I like that. And I think also (laughs) that's, again, right now, um, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm, while it's sad that everything is closed, like while it's sad people are out of work right now, I'm also very excited and curious to see and eager to be a part of what comes next. Absolutely. And there has been a trade-off. One thing that I've really been preaching to anyone who will listen about is the amount of free educational opportunities that have come down, free or reduced educational opportunities that have um, presented themselves during this time has been truly tremendous. Yes. Um, There has been an unparalleled level of access to some of the major creative people in our industry that I don't think we've ever seen before. You know, um, playbill.com has, I think, partnered with The Growing Studio and they've been doing these unbelievable interviews with people that I've literally never heard speak publicly on their own creative process. People like Casey, uh, um, Jerry Zachs, um, and that's just one, literally one company and, and what they've been offering. Ken Davenport has been doing sit downs with a bunch of different people that I've n- literally never heard um, do an interview like that. My good friend Aaron at Save My Audition has been doing almost weekly Zoom Q&As with all kinds of different people. And then he's doing pay what you can, like $25 audition classes with like Ben Cohn from Dear Evan Hansen and Michael Cassera and, um, you know, a bunch of different um, leaders, you know, sort of in that decision-making gatekeeping world, you know, so there are ways to take advantage of this time that I think are pretty significant, like Mm -hmm. kind of, life-changing in a way and then you also have to think about the fact that right now we have restrictions and from restrictions actually can come freedom so you can't do a project you know if you're if you're an artist you know if you want to put something on stage or on film there are certain very strict parameters that we have right now in terms of how you can accomplish something can't really be in person with like a large group with like people coming to sit and 
an audience and watch like you can kind of do it but it certainly needs to be significantly socially distant and all that stuff um so from that actually can come a lot of really interesting ideas you know when everything's possible that's almost harder than when only certain things are possible or the end goal is only reachable through certain avenues mm -hmm. and so i would like to see people doing and I'm, I'm not really at least right now someone who's looking to like make a really strong creative output because i sort of feel fulfilled through the work that i do that i get paid to do but i feel like people aren't really taking advantage of um sort of the interesting things you could do with this time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of shows that I think would be done really interesting with people wearing masks and letting that be a part of the narrative of the show. Like I can name probably 12 right off the top of my head. You know, like what if you did like a post-apocalyptic production of hair where everyone's wearing a mask and is socially distant. Like hair, you always think of hair as like a show where people are really close together and it's kind of like a school of fish and everyone's like rolling around and on top of each other. What if you totally blew that apart and did the exact opposite and played with this idea of isolation and masks and a pandemic, you know? Like that would be genius to me. Hmm. I mean, people are doing readings on Zoom and that's fine. But I think that's just like scratching the surface of what's possible. And really, you know, there comes a point where Zoom, we're not really doing theater anymore. You know what I mean? We're doing something else and that's fine. But I do worry that it sets a dangerous precedent that our work can just be done on Zoom or online. And I don't think that that's really the case. You know, maybe in a, in a rehearsal capacity, um you know i've seen some interesting things done educationally on zoom you know where there's been one-on-one -on -one coaching with a singer or someone doing a monologue like i've seen some interesting things happen but you also have to be aware of the confines of what zoom is it's an on-camera medium so to coach someone for the stage using zoom i don't think that's really possible because what is going to work well on zoom isn't necessarily going to work well on stage and vice versa there's been you know so much discussion right now about self-taping and what makes a good self-tape and what doesn't make a good self-tape and you know ways to make a self-tape more creative versus should it just be really bare bones and as someone who watches a lot of self-tapes you know i see things that have worked on both sides of the coin yeah again that's like the there's no that's the thing I always find interesting watching like my peers, like other actors, sometimes in workshops or something, yeah. asking for like definitive answers to like, what's the best way to do this? And it's like, that answer isn't the same for everybody. Exactly. Know? I've seen self tapes recently where the person almost makes like their own music video and they use all of their surroundings to create um, the self tape, whether it's a scene or a song or a monologue. And that's really interesting. 
And I think to some directors, that's really going to send a strong message like, wow, this person knows how to be creative independently. And that's someone I would really love to have on my show because I know that they're going to bring a lot of life and ideas to the table. Then there's people, you know, I have clients and directors that I've worked with that are really traditional and anything like that is going to just be distracting to them in terms of seeing you and seeing your work presented really simply in a YouTube video or whatever it's going to be, you know? Um, so again, like that, this should be the name of the episode of this podcast. Like the only rule is there's no rules, you yeah. know? And I think that people need to find freedom in that, um, They need to find freedom in the fact that that's the way that it is right now. There are rules in terms of like social distancing and masks. Like those are hard and fast rules that we have to sort of. And then with. also like another big rule is like, don't be a jerk to people. Like you don't know who like, you know, and this is true. Like when you work with people on all different levels, all different stages of their career, like somebody who isn't as far along today might be like the most important voice of theater tomorrow. Oh, so it's like amazing. I went to Interlochen Arts Academy for high school and one of our classmates who at the time was, he wasn't like Mr. Popularity. That's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. You know, it's high school. So people are assholes, whatever. He wasn't an asshole, but I think, you know, he was a little bit ostracized and shunned from like the group at large. I don't know if he would feel that way, but that's sort of how it felt to me at the time. And now he's like one of the biggest theater casting directors in the city. And one of the few people who's actually working on big projects right now. You know, so that's not like that example of like, you never know who, you know, the person next to you, what they might go on to do, you know, and when you hear that when you're young, you're like, oh yeah, whatever. But could not be more true. And I will say that the people that I either represent or the good friends of mine that are really, really successful in this business, they are also so fun to be around, so professional, so well-spoken, so funny, so creative, you know? And the people that, and I do know several who, and who have been successful over the course of their career, but you've seen their success definitely diminish over the years, are not easy to work with, mm -hmm. you know? So there's, there's only like a handful of people in this business that are difficult to work with, but are so talented that people feel like they need to keep using them anyway. Like and, that, and those, I, I've found like those people, it's like true with anything. It's like, uh, like I said, a lot of inward like looking for myself and like yeah. some things realizing like things that I've gotten away with before. Like maybe it's like sometimes people coast on talent. Like there's different things. Sometimes you like you get away with things in different levels. And for me, one of the things that's been driving me really hard over the last year is okay. However far you've got, like if you look at like the things that you can work on, if you actually improved on those things, how much farther could you go? So those people that are difficult to work with, just imagine if they weren't difficult to work with, right. how much farther they could go, you know? Absolutely. 
you know, but I think, and I, I don't know if you and I connected, are you a Jen Waldman person? Yeah. That's where I yeah. first, um, saw you and I saw like that you work with actors to find res- representation. Right. right. And, and I saw that you posted some like casting things within that. Yeah. Th- and yeah. that's why I love her and really her philosophies yeah. and her pedagogy have really influenced my career pretty substantially. For one, she was the first person to say to me, because I was, I was just starting to maybe get into working for Jamie. And she said to me that she was the last person to talk to about being a jack of all trades. You know, when you look at someone like her and her career, you know, there's been Broadway, there's been national tours, there's been teaching, there's been directing, there's been running a theater company, there's been doing nonprofit work, there's been um, business coaching now yeah, with like and then now the whole thing with doing, um, you know, public working with public speakers and, you know, people from from outside of the entertainment industry. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's like the the textbook. Yeah. Example. But the other thing that she's really helped me with in terms of when I work with my clients is sort of pulling down the barriers that are usually self instilled that you don't have enough experience or you don't have the training for something. I think that the entertainment industry and it's why people, so many people gravitate toward it is one of the few businesses where all of those rules are sort of out the window to a certain extent. I mean, yeah, we all know that going to certain programs many times can propel certain people's career forward at least more quickly than maybe it would have otherwise or um you know i've certainly seen some clients of mine once they are in a broadway show then we start getting a lot more calls and emails about from casting asking them to come in for other things or do readings and stuff like that like we all know that that exists but we also all know that there are many many success stories um, from that person who went to the ecc when it was eight bars and ended up in the show. The person that went to the open call where you sang acapella. Um, And that's something I do with my career coaching clients is I really try to help them identify like where they are the most usable in the industry right now in terms of the kind of work that's happening right now. So I have, I I literally am able to, you know, because I, I work off of the breakdowns um, that's what we use to submit our clients as Breakdown Express. Um, I'm able to pull up everything that's being done right now, and I can say, you know, where do you see yourself in Mamma Mia? Where do you see yourself in Greece? Everyone's doing 42nd Street right now. Everyone's doing um, what was another hot show for a while? Oklahoma, you know, and then we look at what's coming to Broadway. What's going to be going on tour next year because it's on Broadway right now. Um, We look at sort of what is really long running. What's a show that's really long running that they always seem to be sort of looking for new fresh blood for like Wicked or Phantom of the Opera um, or some of the Disney shows, Lion King. Um, those are all things that I sort of really help my clients identify. And it's amazing how many people, you know, I could say to them, name six Broadway shows and the tracks that you would be in them. And the amount of people that aren't able to really even name one is kind of astounding. So that's, that's a big part of 
the work that I do. And a lot of that comes initially, you know, came from inspiration that Jen gave me. Um, so she's certainly someone that I look to greatly for um, the career decisions that I make in my own life. But there's a lot of, there's, you know, a lot of amazing people. Um, and, and I really believe in mentorship and having a mentor or being a mentor. I think that um, that is, is just so important. I was lucky to have a really close mentor in undergrad, you know, that I don't even know where I'd be in terms of um, my career path without sort of the um, values that were instilled in me by him. Um, you know, I do think that that's one of the great things about being in New York, but again, um, pandemic has sort of shifted everything because New York, there were, there's so many amazing teachers there. Um, acting teachers, voice teachers, dance teachers, audition teachers, on camera, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like the mecca for that if you have money to spend on it, you know? But now those teachers are available to anyone, anywhere, you know, because we have to do everything using a very specific medium. Um, it's the same with, you know, I get a lot of questions about what I think the future of auditioning is going to look like. And I do think once we can be back in person, a lot of things will be in person. Um, I'm not saying that's going to be right around the corner, but I do think that traditional auditions as they were at the beginning of March will return eventually. But I do think that it, there will be many more Zoom, self-tape, iPhone things because now everyone has realized how simply it can be accomplished mm -hmm. how much money can be saved from in terms of like the production yeah i um, heard table readings are probably going to be those are probably going to be zoom a lot of times now just like not full-on rehearsals but yeah. yeah those first table I just, readings i think if you're doing a workshop of something or a reading zoom is great if you're really trying to fine-tune um the writing uh-huh so if you're really looking closely at dialogue if you're really looking closely at story if you're really looking close at you know word choice lyric um song into scene i think all of that and i've heard from from many different creative teams during this time i think that the zoom template is more than acceptable I have more of a problem with it when it comes to um, coaching a performance. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible. Obviously, people do it right now and have success doing it. But that's where I don't want us to lose sight of that sort of in-person connection. Um, yeah. But we, we're going to see way more self-tapes now, and it's going to be indefinite. Because when you're doing an in-person audition, you have to have, find this, hire the space, you know, pay for the space, pay for the accompanist. Um, maybe pay for a monitor. Um, you know, there's just like a lot more like expense and doing self tapes eliminates that expense almost 100%. I will say though, because I participated in um, one of your coaching sessions at Actors Launchpad. Um, yes. That still was very valuable. So there was, and I know it's not the same, but there was still a great level of detail and clarity 
that I found um, and that I saw other people um, get and receive during that. So absolutely, and yeah, I mean, you, you, you. I couldn't, I couldn't say it better, and I don't even know if I have anything to add to that. Um, if you have a great internet connection, certainly a lot of great things can be accomplished. I mean, I'm taking two classes this week as a performer, um, you know, that are going to be on Zoom. And um, yeah, I think, and I think with classes, the, the key is because I've been in Jen Waldman's online studio since she launched that. Oh, yeah. Just as kind of a, just, I'm just, my thing is, I just want to stay. I'm taking this opportunity where I'm not auditioning as much. Like sometimes I'm doing online things, but I'm not, it's nice because I'm, if I book anything cool, um, I've got some other exciting opportunities that came during this time. Um, And, but everything else, it's like the auditions, I'm not super attached to them. So I'm, I'm doing the, my work, I'm showing up, but I'm kind of just focused on developing as an artist. And the key is like, I think the Jen Waldman online studio, it's at an affordable price. Right. Like you said, there's so many affordable classes. I'm not going to pay like thousands of dollars or even like hundreds of dollars for like most classes right now, just because that doesn't exactly. make sense to me. We're going to see that I think across the board because, um, there's now so much free content or significantly reduced content that I think it is going to be hard to get people to pay what they were paying before for coachings and classes. And I do think that the fact that there'll be the option of doing things remotely, I think that's just going to ultimately it's, it's good for everybody because it allows people that aren't in New York to train with people that are in New York and vice versa. Um, but you then know, the teacher is in Nashville, you know, yeah. so the, the, I don't want to say that there's nothing good that, that will come of this or that once we can be back in person, we need to eliminate all this sort of remote work that we've done up to this point. Um, I just want there to be a healthy balance. I think I'm there saying. will though, because I think, so like Jen Waldman studios, for example, I think that online studio is going to continue. Um, and it's nice because that's at an accessible price right. point where she can take on more students From all but over then the yeah. uh-huh but then when we're back open i'd be willing to pay for like the in-person smaller classes because it's a different level of attention it's a different experience being there i mean she does those community meetings i hope those certainly continue Definitely. that's way better if she's going to do that weekly that with sort of almost an unlimited amount of people that can attend that's way better than something that's on everyone's calendar. And there's only so many spots because the studio can only accommodate so many people, you know, that's amazing. That's, that's a win-win for both parties. She's able to reach more clients and students and consumers. And it's a lot more convenient for the people that she's reaching, you know? So I'm telling you, there's a reason this all happened. I, I agree. A lot of it sucked, but we needed to, as an industry, if, if that's purely what we're talking about, at least right now during this conversation, we as an industry needed to reevaluate a lot of different things and figure, truly figure out how technology was going to be advantageous and, and not, you know, in a, in a disadvantage to the way that we work. 
And it was going to take at least six months to do that. And we were going to be forced to do it, you know? And so we're doing it and we're figuring out what's going to work long-term and what's not. I also, as a, as a teacher, um, you know, I, I am a big proponent of in-person education, but as a coach, I mean, my career coachings are almost a hundred percent remote, either via phone or actually they're usually be, via phone. Um, you know, and that was, I was doing that years before the shutdown. So sometimes I feel like I contradict myself a little bit when it comes to my platform about, um, you know, in-person education is essential. You know, maybe sometimes it's not. And I think right now we're all learning the difference. Yes. Um, where's the best place for like you? Let me let me also, because I think what you're doing is is so incredible. Because you know, not only are you giving opportunities to people who um, have a story to tell, like myself you're also providing free content and you know, I just think that that's incredible. And then you're also um, giving yourself a creative outlet, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're doing the thing that so many people say that they wish they could do or say that they want to do, or they tried to do it and it was too hard, you know? So kudos to the work that you're doing, because I think that it's, um, it's really important. And thank you so much for letting me um, go on and on and on. Well, thank you for being here. And that's, that's the point. Like hopefully somebody listening to this, you know, gets inspired to do the same, um, to innovate, to think outside the box, to create. And even though, yeah, we acknowledge the, the loss of this time, um, we can also look at the opportunity for growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the podcast world, I'm not super into it. You know, I mean, I've done podcast, I've been interviewed on podcasts and there's a couple that I listen to, you know, but it's really amazing to me that sector. And I do think that it's, well, it's the new radio. That's like the biggest thing, you know? Um, so I'm glad that there are people like you who are sort of pushing that medium and seeing how they can forward it and in what ways. Um, so I think that's, that's also really impressive, a really impressive thing that you're doing. Um, well, thank so you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, where is the best place for people to get a hold of you to follow what you're doing? Um, Absolutely. I'm really reachable in all areas of social media like it doesn't really matter what you're reaching out to me about you can use any of these avenues to reach me um obviously on facebook it's just rj mcgee rj m-a-g-e-e -E. um there's an rj mcgee casting facebook page where if i'm working on something that i'm accepting open submissions from i almost always post it there um I can be reached via email at rjmcgeecasting at gmail.com. Um, and then if you're really spe interested specifically in my coaching, private coaching, it's help me help you get rep at gmail.com. So that's H-E-L-P-M-E 
H-E-L-P-Y-O-U at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and, you know, feel you can, I can of course be messaged on either of those platforms as well. I don't, I, I do more um, stalking of people on those than I do like posting, but I'm very active on Facebook in terms of posting because that's sort of where that's the outlet that I like to use for people to know sort of what's going on in my life, both personally and professionally. I'm sort of old school in that way. If, if you can believe that I'm calling Facebook old school. But I, guess I, I am too. Like for all of its flaws, it's just what I'm used to using. Yeah. Using. Um, and I try to force myself to use Instagram also because I know a lot of people are on there and I like, I think it's better for my mental health a little bit because sometimes I can go into a Facebook rabbit hole that I don't. Oh my gosh, I can just scroll for hours and I'm yeah. like, I'm the same thing over and over. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm really trying to put the screen away as much as I can, but then, you know, the minute I put it down, I've missed out on somebody was posting about a free class that they were teaching or they were doing free private coaching or, you know, so it's, it's tricky in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm similar to Jen Waldman. There's Heidi Marshall. Um, she, she's like a film yeah, coach of and similar to Jen, like as far as um, very big on building community, right. all of that. And she had a few months ago, I was so sad that I missed it. She had a zoom call with Frank Oz. Oh my and gosh. I, 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 I found out about it like the night of it like but too late like after it happened and just like oh man like i wasn't doing anything else during that specific time and so that was yeah one of those absolutely i think it was on friday night i had kind of a long day and i closed my eyes for a few minutes in the afternoon and i woke up and i had missed my undergrad temple university doing a talk back um with the three alums from Temple who have been in Hamilton, who have been in productions of Hamilton, either on Broadway or, or um, on tour. And it was moderated by um, the woman in Temple's theater program who teaches, who sort of does a lot of work um, with race and diversity and in the African-American experience and race on the stage and sort of just a scholar in African-American theater and in the African-American experience and she teaches poetry as performance just an incredible woman um dr kamika williams and she was moderating anyway and i missed it so i think they recorded it and i asked someone if a recording of it exists but it might not and you know the one time i decided to put down my screen you know i missed something good you know so it's it's um in that way it can be kind of annoying you know let's put it that way mm-hmm. um well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, is there I anything? Yeah, me too. Is there anything else you want to talk about today? Well, I just want people to know that I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about anything that career-wise that they want to talk to. It doesn't have to just immediately become, you know, something where I'm charging them money. You know what I mean? Like I, I will do free consults with people. Um, especially during this time, because I have some free time and I know it's financially a difficult time for people. Um, so anyone who has questions career-wise, either in general or specifically about themselves, I'm more than happy to 
um, you know, give you a half hour of my time and we can talk on the phone or, or via Zoom. I mean, really my true calling and my avocation and vocation in life is to connect people with opportunity. And so if there's anything I can do to help someone in that capacity, I will. And anyone can always send me their headshot and resume. Um, and I may not respond, but I, I file them away immediately. And the next time I'm looking for people, that's the first file that I go into. Because even though I'm someone who represents actors, I'm also a big proponent of the old school way of casting, you know, either going by submissions and going to open call, you know, as someone on the other side of the table, I'm really not that crazy about setting up a set, putting a breakdown on, on breakdowns, picking from the people that were submitted and setting up a session that way. Like anybody can do that. You know, I think what's more interesting and sort of the old school way of casting is you pull people from everything. You pull people from the person you met that was your waiter at, you know, at the restaurant you went to last night. I mean, literally I've, I've done that. I put that it was a couple of years ago. It was one of those like corny seafood restaurants in Times Square. Really cute girl was serving. It was our server. I was asking, you know, we were striking up a conversation with her. She said she was an actress, you know, and I said, please send me your stuff or add me on Facebook. And, you know, I come to find out she's super talented and she's, you know, worked at a bunch of different regional theaters and stuff like that. That's just one like super, super minute example you know, but when I'm putting together a session, I, um, I pull people from literally every, every, uh, corner mm -hmm. that I can. I don't just rely on the breakdowns. So that's why it's, it's always important for someone if they're interested in, in coming in for things that I'm working on to, um, ex, you know, to send me their stuff or express interest to me in that way. And then also I want to plug, the project that I've sort of been working on for almost a year, if you can believe that, nine months, and that is Theality TV, which is a reality show about the making of an off-Broadway musical. I was hired as the casting director for the project in September, but the position was both to logistically be the casting director for this project, but then to also be the on-camera casting director, it's a reality show. So the entire process was filmed beginning with the two days of auditions that were in January and the two weeks of rehearsals concluding with a final performance in February. And it really is Glee meets Cheer meets Housewives meets, I mean, we, we literally shot a reunion that was hosted by Michael Musto, who was sort of like the Andy Cohen, mm -hmm. um, role and um uh, the episodes have been sort of in between a string out and a rough cut um so i've seen almost every episode finished at least in some sort of finished form and we're currently seeking distribution you can learn more about us about us at theality.tv is the website you can watch the sizzle reel and i'm more than happy to talk privately with anyone who's interested in partnering with us. I can connect you with the executive producers. Um, you know, we're looking for some sort of network or streaming partner or producing partner because there is some, some finishing funds that we're potentially looking to acquire. Um, but there's a lot of different models that we can 
that we can work out. And I will tell you, as someone who watches a lot of reality TV, this this one is pretty compelling. Um, and and the fact that no one has done people have done similar things. You know, there was um, encore on Disney Plus. You know, there's been things that have sort of danced around this concept, but no one has truly done the reality show about the making of a musical from beginning to end. And I think we all have been in enough shows, theater productions, you know, when we're backstage or in the dressing room and we're like, oh my gosh, I wish someone was filming this because this is all so crazy. No one would believe it. We had the cameras there filming. So um, that has been a big, big project for me uh, over the last few months. And as we continue to um, meet with potential distributors and things like that. Uh, so please check us out at theality.tv. Yeah. And I'll put the links to that um, and RJ McGee casting in the show notes. Great. Uh, do you have any final parting thoughts for maybe anybody who um, is interested in getting into casting, coaching That's or acting? Question. And I, and I wish there are certain things I wish I had known or that someone had told me that I sort of figured out on my own. If you want to get into casting, let's deep, let's, you know, put them in little compartments right now. Casting, I think right now, the best way to get into casting is to forge your own casting career, casting office, create Alex Stevens, the third casting. I think that it is very difficult right now, especially with the pandemic, it's pretty much impossible to get a job at a casting office without working your way up through like a college internship. Um, to, to do a mid-career switch in your 30s and say, I wanna be in casting, that's great. It's definitely possible, but it is difficult then to just get a job at Telsey or at Tara Rubin or really any office in New York City. LA seems a little bit easier because there's so many more casting offices. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're doing the New York market, um, you know, they're just small offices. They have like, some of them have like under half a dozen people that work there, you know, um, and they all have very robust internship programs and they all have assistants that are looking to move up, you know, so that is very, very difficult. What is really not difficult, at least in my example, is saying, I'm a casting director now, hire me to cast your shows. And when I say cast, that does not mean pick the people to be in your shows. That means to help facilitate the casting process, evaluate your vision. Let's say, Alec, you're directing a play, you want me to cast it, I'm gonna read the script, I'm gonna talk to you. What, are your, what do you envision for each character? How much can you pay? Um, what would you like the character to potentially look like? Um, what is, you know, are you using union contracts, not union contracts? Do you have housing? Where is it? Is it, you know, is this sort of like a stipend thing? Are you, you know, like there's a million different ways that you can put on a show, especially under normal circumstances. We all know that. So my, and then my job as a casting director is to be your personal shopper and to go out and find you options that fit the vision that you have conveyed to me. And ideally you're coming to me to do that because you're very busy. You don't have maybe as wide of a knowledge base in terms of what talent is out there right now. You know, there's specific reasons as to why someone needs a casting director. And when you're looking at 
a place like Telsey or Tara Rubin, part of it is because they're working with directors who have three other projects at that time. And the director can only be there from 10 to one one day. And casting has to narrow it down and make sure that every single person could potentially be in the show when the director shows up from 10 to one to see people. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing that happens is, is they set up that session from 10 to one and the director watches all the people and doesn't really walk away with anyone that they're that happy with, you know, and now the production is off schedule. You know what I mean? So there's actually sort of a lot to it and they're all really fun things. And they're all things that I really enjoy doing, you know? Um, but I found that the, that the way to do it is to actually, you know, let's say you were someone like me, you did a lot of, you know, you did a lot of performing work for years, maybe even decades, you know, go back to those regional theaters and say, hey, I'm a casting director now. You know, if you ever have a role in a show that you just can't seem to find anyone for, let me know and I'll send you my rate and we'll work out something. And again, now the casting could be done 100% remotely and I could just send you video options. I mean, I've done that a lot. I was doing that a lot even before the pandemic because I was working with theaters where they're out of town, they're in Arizona or they're in um South Carolina or they're, you know, wherever they are, they're not in New York. So it's cost prohibitive to, for them to do any kind of in-person thing. So it's easier for them to communicate to me what they're looking for. And then for me to find options to them and pass the tapes along and then they can choose based off that tape or they can set up a zoom callback or they can do a, a phone interview with the person, you know, so that is my recommendation to someone who wants to get into casting for someone who or and 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 if you feel like you're not anywhere near that career trajectory then intern i intern a lot i was the artistic intern at the Arden, which is lord theater company in philadelphia and literally i worked there in the summer obviously because i was still in school and i was being asked to, to set up sessions by myself we were doing august osage county and literally, I put together a 10 to 6, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. with an hour lunch call for the 14-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. I pull people, they don't use the breakdowns there. Well, they, they don't when it's a Philadelphia-based casting. I pull people from their files. I pull people that I knew. I pull people that I went to school with. And that's how I set it up. So literally, I got as much hands-on experience in casting that someone could ever get. And I was... 22, um, 21. So I have, I, there's nothing against the internship route, except that you just need to be in the position where you're not going to be getting paid for a few months. I think if you're in school, um, I know at least when I went to Temple, there was a lot of opportunity for a student to receive funding from the university to do some sort of unpaid internship opportunity you know, so get a thousand dollar grant so that you're able to intern at the Arden for a summer. I think that's amazing. On the other side of that coin, if you want to get into agenting and management, I think actually it's pretty easy. Many times there are jobs opening up for assistance. There's actually a lot more agents and managers in New York than there are casting offices. So just from a pure number numbers perspective, it's a little bit easier. Um, I think there's a little bit more turnover in that industry. And um, I just think that it's, it's an easier one to, to break into. 
you know, and you move up a lot more quickly than in casting. Mm -hmm. um, and you tend to, from the get-go, be given a lot more hands-on responsibilities in the agenting and management world than maybe in casting. I mean, our assistant at Baker, who works for us full-time, is submitting clients based on his own judgment every day. I mean, he has 100% autonomy almost in terms of, and, and he has 100% autonomy in terms of talent scouting and bringing on clients, going to Actors Connections, going to Actors launch pads, going to growing studio things. To me, that's not as common in the casting industry. It takes a little bit longer to get to that point where you're really doing the fun stuff and evaluating talent and matching talent with projects. And you get to do the, you get to do just that as an agent or a manager. It's just in a slightly different capacity. You know, you're providing a lot of options for someone who's really narrowing your options down and then presenting those options to someone who ultimately makes a decision. Um, so it's, you know, it's a fascinating world. And if you're someone who you feel like you really have a knack for identifying talent and you know a lot of plays and musicals and you know a lot of playwrights, know of them, not know them personally necessarily. And you watch a lot of TV shows and you watch a lot of HBO and a lot of Netflix and you understand the tone and the vibe of all these different TV series. And, you know, you're able to watch um, a Steven Soderbergh movie and identify his directing style really clearly and sort of how he coaches his actors versus a Steven Spielberg movie. And you can go out to showcases and find people specifically who um, work well for those different projects that you're working on at that time. Then it's, it's super fun. We do a lot of cruise ships. So I go to, um, we do a lot of cruise ships at Baker. So I go to a lot of showcases where I'm sort of keeping Disney cruise lines in mind and, and thinking of people who could do Greece for Royal Caribbean or who could do um, hairspray for Royal Caribbean or who could do Saturday Night Fever, you know? So it's, it's there's a lot of, of overlap between the two jobs. Um, but I do think that it's a little bit easier to break into um, being an agent or a manager, especially if you're trying to go from acting, if you're trying to step away from, from performing and, and do something within, within the same industry. You know, for whatever reason, casting is this, you know, can be a very closed off world. Again, that's why going out and doing it on your own where you have no one supervising you or no one looking over your shoulder, I think can be um, the better way to go. Nice. Well, thank you very much for sitting down with me today. Um, I'm glad that we're part of the same community here in New York, um, artists and self-starters, uh, both. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And thank you, Alex. Uh, this was really fun. And I, again, can't thank you enough for your support and for providing so much free education and content for the public. And I hope you have a great rest of your summer. You too. And I look forward to whenever we talk next. Yeah, I hope we can see each other in person sooner than later. Me too. Well, take care. Take care. 
So that was my conversation with RJ McGee. Hope you enjoyed that. Please uh, check out the links in the show notes as always. Or on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the content, please subscribe, share, rate, review. Um, Hit me up, you know, through the socials. Let me know what you think. If you know anybody who you think should be featured on the show, please uh, let me know or let them let me know. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you listening. Thank you very, very much. I am super excited with the different projects that I'm up to right now. Um, I'm also super excited to be uh, starting to work with other people to help organize some of my stuff. I hope your projects are going well, and I look forward to seeing them and sharing them however I can. So thank you very much. Do your thing. The world wants to see what you have to say, however you have to say it. Have a good one. Peace.